the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good, master of life, come dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I hope in these two sections of uh, session 51 to finish the Gospel of John so that next time we can start the letter to the Romans, which is another one of the great classics of the New Testament. We have this little bit to go in chapter 20, the last of the four scenes. Remember, we had the first one, the two disciples. I mean, Mary went out there first, and the tomb was empty. She ran back. That was scene one. Scene two, the disciples run out there, and they're baffled, and they go home. Now, that, that's one scene. Scene two, Mary stays there, and the Lord comes to her. She doesn't know who he is until he says her name, Mary. Then she knows who he is. Then she becomes the apostle to the apostles, and she goes and tells him, I have seen the Lord, which is a witness of the church. When the church cannot say, I have seen the Lord, it's no church. I know Jesus personally. I know who he is. I know that he's risen from the dead. I don't deserve any of this. But every believer has to be able to say that. I have seen the Lord. And then finally the last one, which we're going to look at right now. Uh, second time that our Lord comes to the disciples. And this time, Thomas was there. So, uh, the text goes then, Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples said to him, same thing, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see on his hands the mark of the nails, and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I certainly will not believe. After eight days on the octave, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors were shut or locked, and stood in the midst, and said once again, Peace be with you, shalom. Then he said to Thomas, Bring your finger here, and look at my hands, and take your hand, and put it into my side. Do not show yourself unbelieving, but believing. That's the challenge, you see. Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you saw me, you have believed. Blessed those who have not seen and believed. And that's the, the last, and we're going to study the last two verses in a moment um, in this, okay? So Thomas is a particular kind of witness because he's going to require physical evidence. In a way, we do too. But it's not the same kind. But you see, the difference between Christianity and a philosophy is that our understanding is of things that have happened, not just of ideas. Christianity is not a religion of ideas. It's a religion of events. 
and of God starting way back. The choice of Abraham has worked in human history, which is very difficult for a mind used to abstract thinking to grasp. The truth is in the event. But we have to understand that event. You see? And then, from then on, that event is transmitted by word. First, the written word. The narratives. Most of the Bible is narrative. And narrative, you see, is the literary account of an event. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's, it's something that happens. And of course, the event is the Word became flesh. The rest of these events flow from that incarnation of God among us, which is why John starts his Gospel. So now, there has been an event. Jesus came and talked uh, to the ten. Judas is out of the picture, and Thomas wasn't there for some reason. Thomas could have yielded to the witness of the Holy Spirit, impressing the truth of the event on his spirit as it was preached to the others. Which is what we all do. Uh, I believe because it's been preached to me and the Holy Spirit has impressed the truth of it on my heart. And I know that it's true. Faith is a way of knowing. But it's a God-given way of knowing. It has to be received. It can't be acquired. And of course, that goes against so much of modern understanding of cognition. Knowledge. Knowledge comes to us through domination. But real knowledge doesn't. I need to dominate mathematics and all the laws of steel, stress, and so forth to build a bridge. But I have to receive in order to know a person. And I have to receive to know God. I can't do that with this activity of the mind which dominates and controls. Which is where the Western mind has been for a few centuries now. This is why faith is so unintelligible and why the Lord is pouring out signs and wonders again all over the place. This new evangelization has a lot to do with signs and wonders. And so, uh, Jesus says, you see, come now, put your finger here, look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. What graciousness on the part of Jesus. Why didn't he say, why don't you believe? No, he said, look, come. I know it's not easy to think of people rising from the dead, but look, I did. Okay? So thine, he says, my Lord, my Kyrios, and my God. Jesus says to him, because you saw me, you have believed. Blessed those who have not seen and believed. Because believing is always some kind of seeing. Because it's always with a light. Faith is a light. And, uh, as uh, St. Thomas says, discussing this, you see, uh, it's a light that yield that helps us yield to the light. Faith is always a reception, a receptivity, uh, and a gift. So we don't see, like Thomas saw, Jesus standing there, 
but we do see. And it's a blessing. This is the last beatitude in the Gospels. Blessed those who have not seen and believed, who have not had this sort of physical evidence and yet believe. And yet, it's a rare person who hasn't had in their life, if they're really trying to pray, some experience in the presence of Jesus. They can't explain it, but they know that he's there. They have seen him in that way. And they know it. And so, that's the uh, the uh, blessing, the beatitude, the last one. Blessed those who have not seen and believe. Because when they believe, then in another way, they see. And that's the gift. You know, and as the Pope said, you know, uh, one way of describing that gift is to call it baptism in the Holy Spirit, as the Pope does. When he says the whole church has to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he says it means being aware of what we have received in baptism and confirmation, which flow directly from the wounded side of Christ. They're not just ceremonies, they're sacraments. And so, there is this, still this, and this is what makes Christianity so baffling, huh? The greatest minds that ever lived have been Christian. There have been some great Plato, Aristotle, there have been great minds, yes. But the ones that have formed Western culture and through that just about every other culture, you see, are all believers. It doesn't hamper your mind, it liberates it to be open to all the possibilities. You know, if I don't, I say to myself, well, I've got four possibilities. One, two, three, four. I don't go one, two, three, four. I can't take two, so I skip it. One, two, three. This is the gift, you see. Now, the last two lines of chapter 20 are, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. These have been written so that you might believe this word of God leads us to faith, you see, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing, you might have life in his name. Believers are always alive. They are always alive. And the degree of the belief is also the degree of the life. Look at the activity of an elderly little woman like Mother Teresa, still founding convents, traveling all over the world, taking care of the poor, carrying them in her arms. She's still alive. You see? Have life in his name. What was driving her was her knowledge and love of Jesus, and that the Lord Jesus then had a free hand in her, and she was alive. I live now, not I. Christ lives in me. That's the fruit of faith. And so, uh, this chapter ends with these words. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. These have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And that means that if with an open heart in an open mind, we read this gospel, 
we will receive faith, the gift. You know, we believe a little bit, like the fellow, I believe, help my unbelief. You want help in your unbelief? Pick up the Gospels and read and have your heart open, and the Lord will do the rest. It's when we think that knowledge is domination, that we have a problem. Knowledge, metaphysically, knowledge is receptivity. It is not domination. That's the great mistake of the Western mind in the last few centuries. And with that goes the divorce. Knowledge is always receptivity. That's why it's called a conception, a concept. We receive. And the wonderful thing is, you see, on the other side, as uh, Aquinas, somehow following a bit Aristotle here, but being clearly because he understands creation, being is active. Being gives itself to us, and we receive. That's the act of knowledge. So when the being is the incarnate word of God, and we're trying to contact him by reading and meditating on the scriptures, he can come to us. He can surprise us, you see. And that's why the scriptures are so important. If you look at the fathers of the church, they all philosophize from the scriptures. They don't read the scriptures and then philosophize. Which happens to a lot of modern theology, which is no longer scholastic in the traditional sense of the term, because it's not coming from the Bible. As all Aquinas' thinking comes from the Bible. He relies on Aristotle, he quotes other people, but besides being a professor of scripture, that's what his job was, he was a man of faith, and that's why his mind was enlightened. Okay. <laughs>